0: Of course, we're just continuing wrapping up the series, but today, um, you know, we're just going to, we're going to just give it to the Lord today, what He wants to say. That's that's a big deal, you know, to listen to what the Lord has to say. I've realized that even in my life, even this week. I want to hear what God has to say. I, I think sometimes I'm better at it than others. And I think sometimes, you know, OK, I'm really listening and, and there's this sensitivity that's happening. And then sometimes I'm not. And I'm, I'm in such a hurry and I'm, I'm so involved in stuff that's going on that I, I'm not doing that very well. I will never forget about 10 years ago, probably or something like that. I had this precious lady who was 73 years young. And she came to me on Sunday and said, Pastor, I want to talk with you. And I said, sure. And then so we scheduled an appointment and she came into my office and and uh, she kind of talked about, you know, just anything for a while. It's kind of small talk. And and then she she says, well, the reason that I want to. Talk with you. And it wasn't because of my sermons or anything. I think I was going through a, maybe a holiness message series, kind of. But, but anyhow, she says, Pastor, I want to talk with you about something. And, and then she be kind of began to describe for me uh, that uh, for some years, uh, for several years, and she had only been attending our church five or six years, but for some years, many years, that she she would relax in the evening, and the way that she relaxed in the evening is that she would you know have a couple drinks and and so she wasn't asking me directly but she was talking around the topic just a little bit and um I could tell that she was wanting some direction from me. She was wanting, you know, to help me, you know, kind of, you know, debate one side of, you know, the conversation. And and I just listened to her. I did a lot of listening. I just listened. And then I I said to her, I said, honey, I said, I know you probably want me to make a a decision or maybe you want me to give you some evidence or or say some things. And I'm not going to do that. I've got to be careful not to say her name. I don't want to say her name. But I, I said, I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to say is I'm going to say that in my relationship with God, oftentimes God speaks to me in a whisper. And for someone else, what he's whispering to me, to me, it may make no sense at all. But for me and my relationship with God and where I'm at, I'm hearing God's voice in a whisper, not an audible voice. You know, he's speaking to me through my thinking and through my mind and 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 then it's interesting. I I told her that then this dialogue begins and God and I begin to have a conversation. Right. You know how that happens. And we begin to have a conversation together about maybe some issue or something. And and of course, God always wins, by the way, or he doesn't win. And then I'm miserable. That's how that works. And and so anyhow, we start the conversation and God speaking to me and then he's stretching me and he's moving me. And he's bumping me a little bit closer into my relationship with him and maybe my testimony for him. And it's all happening in the whisper of God's voice as he's speaking to me. And I said, now, by the very fact that you're asking me this question or that you're even bringing this this up for discussion. I said to her, I said, perhaps, you know, perhaps God is is speaking to you. She was silent at that moment, several moments of silence, And then all of a sudden she just breaks down and she's crying and, and she's just, you know, having this emotional, spiritual battle that was happening. I could tell I sensed it in her spirit. There was something that was happening inside of her and she was trying to make a decision. And there was this a battle that was was occurring. Well, we I ended up praying for her and I put my hand on her shoulder and we prayed together. And uh, and then she left. Well, it was several weeks later, maybe a month or two later. She came to me after the sermon on Sunday morning and she says, Pastor, I just want to let you know I won the battle. (laughs) I won the battle. Now, she never really clearly defined it for me, but she said I won the battle. I understand this topic can be a very sticky topic. I mean, the idea of, of course, you know, abstinence or moderation versus abstinence, and I understand that the idea of moderation touches on issues that can be very tempting. I mean, very, very tempting for some, and not so much for others. Because you say, "Oh, that's not that tempting," but for some, it it can be. And moderation versus abstinence, it's a question that every young person, every teenager eventually asks themselves. Maybe not with the words of moderation and abstinence, but, but they're, they're, they're wrestling with it with other words and in other ways and other ideas. And, and it may address everything from drinking alcohol to playing the lottery to gambling or other issues in the back of your mind when you're thinking as a teenager would be thinking, you know, should I or shouldn't I? Should I or shouldn't I? And, and of course, there is the cultural secular argument that moral questions are merely residue of ideas as a result of systemic religious thinking and pressure. And I understand that. I mean, I understand that thinking. And, and so this morning, congregation, I want to be careful, you know, not to take a legal stance. I want to be careful to say, you know, we're not talking about a list of do's and don'ts. You know, we've crossed the bridge of legalism a long time ago. We understand that, that God is a gracious father in heaven and and we understand that, that salvation is free and that love wins and we understand that. And, and yet we also understand what scripture teaches us is that everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And I think that that's the way I'd like us to, you know, really think about that, that everything is permissible, but not, you know, not everything is beneficial. And really, this conversation is about the relationship that we have with ourselves. But more importantly, it's about a relationship that we have with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I want to address really two different components in regards to moderation versus abstinence and whatever issue it is that you're wrestling with. Or maybe that we're thinking about. And I I want to address it in two ways or two components. Relationship, which I've always kind of, I've already jumped into. And then scripture. We want to look at scripture. So let's pray together. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word today. I thank you, Lord, that you're moving us and you're stretching us. And that, Father, as we listen, that you will speak. And I pray, Lord, that you would just, Lord, speak to our heart today. I mean, get right down to the issue and whatever it is that, you know, one person or another that that maybe that you're bringing to their mind or to the service, Lord, that you would, Lord, have your way with us, because, Father, that's really what we want. We, you know, we think we want our own way, but I understand, Lord, and, and that the real joy is when we know you and we submit to your way. And so, Father in heaven, we just come to you today and we submit ourselves. To you And I pray that you will be glorified in everything that is said and done this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's glorious name. Amen. So this morning we're talking about relationship with our Father in heaven through Jesus Christ. And as we understand that, we then call that salvation. You know, the idea that there is this this possibility that we can have relationship with our Father in heaven. Because of his son, Jesus Christ, that became flesh. We know in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for it is by grace that we're saved by faith. It's not ourselves, but a gift to God, lest any man should boast. And so the very capacity of faith is what enables us to, to be, you know, a little more, of course, a lot more than the animals, that we can, we can have faith and we can begin relationship with God. And in that faith relationship, there is trust that has been built. And then, and part of the trust, I mean, it's hard to have faith in someone that we don't trust. But we do trust God. I mean, he is our creator and he knows us intimately. And so there is trust in the relationship of faith. And, and then in that relationship that is one of trust and the faith that we have in God, then we begin to act out that faith. And that faith becomes reality. And that reality is what we're talking about when we talk about salvation. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, look at that for just a moment. We read there that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, understanding that relationship that begins is made right as we begin relationship with our father through Jesus Christ. So it's interesting as we start the conversation about moderation versus abstinence, that that we begin with we begin with soteriology. We begin with the study of salvation. We we begin with that that scriptural, you know, allusion to the fact that there is a special, there is special spiritual implications. When we think of salvation, especially as it, you know, has to do with eternity and it's to do with everlasting life. And that gets me excited when I think about that kind of stuff. But to understand that salvation, you know, it is. It is the message of deliverance. It, it denotes, when we say salvation, well being. I mean, think of that for a moment. You know, as we, we have this discussion and this topic, it, it, it deals with well it being, it deals with being, you know, healthy, our health and, and, and healing. The Hebrew word, uh, that's most used when we talk about salvation or for salvation is Yasa, uh, W.A.S.A., which is defined as help in distress, <laughs> help in distress. And I don't know what you're going through right now. And maybe you've been in distress and maybe there are some distressful things that's happening in your life. And maybe part of it is because you're bound up or there's this bondage in your life. And, and I'm not trying to, you know, get personal or delve into your business. It's your business. It's your relationship you have between you and God. And in the midst of that, it's possible that there, there is some stress in your life or maybe you're distressed. And you're saying, Pastor, I need help. You see, that's what that Hebrew word means, is that salvation means that there is help in distress. And man, that, that's a message of hope this morning. That That is a message that God, He is our deliverer. And I love the way, in a more simplified way, that we would define that Hebrew word, yasa, it would be defined, defined as set free. <laughs> that we are set free, and that means we are set free from our bondage. We are set free from what impels us. We are set free from what holds us captive I, I love that. I, I had a conversation with Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff, sometimes um, he sits out on the patio out here uh, during the week and he does a study out there. And so I'm coming in and out of the building and sometimes I see him over there and I walk over and I plop myself down in front of him. And I say, Pastor, what are you, what are you studying? Jeff, what are you studying? And he tells me and I said, well, here's what I'm studying. And we had a great conversation the other day because we were talking about spiritual freedom. We're talking about spiritual freedom. I mean, if anything that gets your blood excited and boiling, it ought to be that. I mean, to talk about spiritual freedom. Because that's what this is all about. I mean, relationship with Christ, God, it's spiritual freedom. And we're talking about spiritual freedom and and, and the remarkable effect of spiritual freedom. You see, the world would have you think that freedom is that anything goes. You know, the world would want you to say that freedom is anything goes. You know, it would have nothing to do with morality. It would have nothing to do with sin. It's the fact that you just get to do what you want. It's that anything goes. But as we were having the discussion, we were processing the fact that real freedom is to be set free from our own selves. To be set free from binding temptations or the carnal nature you know, because it's the carnal nature that lures us. Just go to James and read a little bit there. It's the carnal nature that lures us and then it hooks us. And, and then when you're hooked, man, it's hard because of the bondage. It's hard to be set free. The carnal nature hooks us and then you're just hooked and you're just... I mean, and, and sometimes we wrestle and we become distressed. Because it's, it's tough. I... I I was fishing a few years ago and I was fishing by a river. It was in Tennessee and I'd lean my pole against the rock and I was fiddling with something in my tackle box over here. I stood up from working in my tackle box. I stepped back like this and my heel, my heel hit the bottom part of the boat. Pole that was leaned against the big rock. Now, the pole, I had some line out and a hook was laying on the ground and, and I was in a big river or fishing in the big river. The hook was like big as my finger, not as fat, of course, but it was a hook. And I mean, it was a big hook. And, and and I stepped on that pole. And when the weight hit that pole, the pole slid off the rock and snapped to the ground. And with that, the line in the hook went flipping up in the air very fast as it whipped up in the air. The hook landed in the fatty part of the back of my back. I didn't have a shirt on. And that hook was buried to the elbow. I, ah! Like, I'm by myself. <laughs> Ah, so I could cry, no, we you know it. So, so anyways, I, uh, I uh, so, ah, oh man, and I'm trying to get the thing out. I didn't realize how tough that skin is back there, but I tried to get it out. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I had some pliers. I literally tried to, you know, back it out. It wouldn't back out. It had a big barb on it. I tried to push it through. You know, I thought I could thread it through the skin. I mean, I was desperate. And, 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 and so okay, I'll rip it out. And I, with all my mind, oh! I got home. Remember that Heidi? And and fortunately, we had a friend that was a doctor, and uh, I called him, and he came to the house, and he brought a scalpel, and he literally had to take radical, aggressive action and do a minor surgery to get that hook out. Being set free. Puts a whole different light on it, doesn't it? <laughs> might take radical aggressive action. I, I don't know I don't know where you're at. It might take radical aggressive action. Men. To be set free. I mean I mean the fact is, as Jeff and I were talking, there's nothing like spiritual freedom. There's nothing like spiritual freedom. Spiritual freedom. It's unexplainable, and dare I say, a freedom from flesh and what the flesh wants. Well, we see this as as Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and the complexities of this kind of dynamic there in Romans chapter seven, looking at verse fifteen. When he he writes, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. And then remember that you theologians, as we go to Romans chapter eight, no longer a slave to the law of sin and death because of the spirit that has come in and the, the spirit that has given freedom, that's given freedom. You see, that's the point. We do have freedom to do whatever we want. Because what does the scripture say? Everything is permissible. I mean, Paul wants us to know this. It's not by our works, but but it's by God's grace. You see, everything is permissible. We are free. We can do anything we want. But that's the thing with with freedom, Or that's the thing about free will. Every decision we make is a choice against something as much as it is a choice for something. Let's say that again. Every decision we make is a choice against something as much as it is for something else. Relationship with Jesus is not about works. I understand that. And, and you know, this list of things that we have to do. I understand that salvation is the the gift of God. But when it comes to these sticky topics, like for me, you know, the thing that's in my mind is, say, drinking, you know, whether I'm I'm going to imbibe or engage. I, I guess I could say if I see it under the, you know, this idea, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Then the phrase I would have to use today is I can, but should I? I, I mean, if if there's something that I'd want you to take home and something that I'd want you to remember from the message today, it is this: I can, but but should I? You, you see, this this is in the reality of of not just you know not just myself. This is in the reality of understanding, you know, the grace of God and that if I'm trusting God, I have faith in him. And part of the faith that is put in action is that I am aware of that action affecting the other. I'm aware of the action that is affecting the other. You know, the other person in my life, the other people in my just not myself, but, but the other. And so I can say then I can, but should I? And maybe even the question that should I should then not just be asked of myself, that maybe should be asked or we should be asking Jesus that question. Because everything is permissible. We are free. We are free. I can, but should I? And and this quote is a little bit maybe uh, disconnected, but just bear with me. Maybe a little bit disjointed, but. One source reports that in alcoholic recovery programs, that those who follow a plan of moderation are much less, that's underlined, much less likely to achieve their goal. While of the patients studied, 90% of total abstinence patients were still sober two and a half years after treatment. And that kind of moves us to the scripture side, because remember, we are talking about the relationship side of this thing, abstinence versus or moderation versus, you know, abstinence. But we move to the, the scripture side and we look at Romans fourteen twenty It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. And then in, in uh, first Corinthians chapter nine, looking at verse uh, 22 there and i imagine the apostle paul there is he's pacing the floor quite possibly and the amanuensis that is you know writing away for him as he is dictating and i imagine paul that is wrestling with this and he's writing it this way in 1 corinthians 9:22 when he writes i have become all things to all people so that by all possible means that i might save some because he understands the other he understands that this decision that we make, it, it, it's affecting not just ourselves, it's affecting the other. It's really clear here that, that Paul is nurturing the idea of living a kingdom-centered life. And understanding that kingdom-centered living produces righteous deeds because of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit in speaking and the voice of God that is whispering. It's in the voice of God that is whispering as God is helping me and moving me as I hear his voice in a deeper relationship with God, in a deeper relationship in righteousness. And and that I am impacting, you know, not only that testimony and the other, but it's the relationship that I have with my father that causes me to ask the question, I can, but should I? I am reminded Of an article about the fastest man in the world. It took less than 10 seconds for Jamaican sprinter Usain Bolt to cover the 100 meter distance on the Olympic track and win the gold medal in London. Those few seconds cemented his status as the fastest man alive and placed him on the winner's podium once again. But the race was not won in those seconds, you understand it was won by hours and hours and hours of practice and workouts and weightlifting and special diet and coaching you see the race was not won in the performance it was won in the preparation <laughs> and if our desires for something that is greater that causes us to sacrifice things and things that are good so that we can experience something that is more, something that is deeper, and something is greater than we could ever imagine in our life. Then we make this sacrifice because we desire that better thing. And too often times, believer, I believe that we accept the good. I think I heard Dr. Janet just say that this week. We accept something good and we give up the better. Because we're just satisfied with the good. And I believe that there is something better that God has for us, something greater and something deeper in this experience of holiness and righteousness. As we say, God, I hear your voice as he whispers to us so that we might respond to him in relationship and say, "Okay, God, I know that the better is this. I mean, I can. But should I? Because I want the better. Because I want the better. I want to honor God and I want the better. I, I, I don't know how the Lord is stirring you this morning and how he's moving your heart and what you wrestle with. And maybe your distress is huge. Maybe it's just, just been decades. Decades. And you've not really had clarity. But maybe the spirit of the Lord, maybe God is speaking and there's clarity that's happening even right now. Because of the Holy Spirit and the whisper, the whisper of God's voice. He's saying, I want better for you. I want better for you. Let's respond to him today. I'm not going to have any kind of response. I'm going to invite the team to come and we're going to have our our worship song here for closing. But I'm going to pray and I'm just going to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And just it's yours. To hear his voice, respond to God for the better. Something deeper, something greater than just what maybe has been happening. And I believe that God will He will speak to you. As he did that lady that came into my office. And I didn't tell her what to do. But the Holy Spirit was telling her. Let's pray. Precious Father in heaven, I thank you for the word. I thank you, Lord, for speaking today. I thank you, Lord, that Lord that you are greater and bigger than anything that we face. And that, Father, that you don't leave us where we're at. That you speak to us in that small, still voice. And that you are stretching us and challenging us. And so, Father, in heaven, I pray that you would just touch that one right now. The one whose heart that you're stretching. The one that you're challenging right now. And maybe perhaps we started out being uncomfortable this morning. But we realize that there is something that is a greater comfort. And that is you and your will, your presence in our lives. What you're doing in us. And so, Father in heaven, I just pray that you would just give freedom to that one. Give freedom to that young man or give freedom to that, 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 that precious lady, Lord. Give freedom to that mom or that grandmother, Father, in heaven as we hear your voice today. And we just submit ourselves to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for giving us your will, your plan, your will. We ask this in Christ's glorious name.